Cricket Last Rose with me, Neil Kagram. And today we've got an IPL and a more specifically a Mumbai Indian special. So we're joined by their fielding coach, James Pamant. James, how you doing? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, nice, nice to meet you on online here, and uh, great to be here, part of show. So you you joined MI in 2018, but before we actually get into that, let's talk about your career uh, preceding that. You were actually born um, in the UK, um, Huddersfield. You were a very talented cricketer in your own right, a representative cricket for Yorkshire. I'm correct in saying. Also, also very, very, very. Um, talented footballer your trials or did you play for, for Leeds youth uh, and Bradford as well do you want to talk a little bit about about your early early days yeah absolutely because I think that's where we're all uh, we, we all get uh, a lot of people say where were you born or you know I tend to say where were you made and I was very much made in Yorkshire in Huddersfield uh, my family were all sort of born and bred around that region and, and my father was a uh, very passionate football person, but also very closely connected to a, a very famous village cricket club called Lassell's Hall. Uh, only a small place, but at, at one point in time, a lot of players came from Lassell's Hall to represent Yorkshire. I think at one point there were six to eight of them back in the back at the turn of the century days when uh, uh, the cotton mills were very much, you know, in existence around that area and, and guys could get time off from work and, and go and play cricket. So quite a famous small club uh, and, and I was sort of very fortunate to be brought up in that environment, very traditional. And uh, yeah, I learned all my cricket, you know, through my family involvement at, at Lassell's Hall and, and developed through the leagues and through the age groups and, and progressed, you know, to Yorkshire age group teams, which was, which was always a challenge to make those teams given the number you know, boys every year who are sort of challenging to make those teams. So I went through the, the 13s, the 15s, and then the 19s, uh, but never progressed on towards uh, playing for the first team in, in official cricket. I played a lot of what they called club and ground games, a lot of trial games uh, for Yorkshire seconds and, and Yorkshire 11s, but never actually made it into the first team. But, you know, that, that was all part of my learning process. Dovetail with that was also a passion for football as well, and uh, and in similar respects, I had lots of opportunities to trial uh, with professional clubs. Uh, spent a bit of time with Bradford City, spent a bit of time with Sheffield Wednesday, and spent a bit of time just playing a couple of games for for Leeds United as a youth, which is very much on a trial basis. I was a goalkeeper. Yes, you said you made the move over to New Zealand. You played first-class cricket for Auckland. Played a handful of games. How do you sum up your, your your professional career playing, and then the move into coaching? You actually moved into um, football coaching. I'm correct in saying as well. You had time involved with New Zealand football before going back into cricket. Do you want to talk a little bit about that period as well? Auckland had just lost a number of players uh, through retirement. Uh, guys like John Wright. Ian Smith, you know, of course, the 1992 World Cup, they retired. Shortly after that, they lost some players like Trevor Franklin, Jeff Crow had just retired just prior to that as well. So they'd lost a lot of players and they were looking to rebuild. And, and, and I was obviously new on the scene, playing really well, committed myself long term to staying in New Zealand with my wife, Cecilia, and obviously the family was developing. So I got, I got an opportunity which, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, perhaps wasn't quite in a position to maximise that in terms of being, I guess, 
having the time to develop my game, especially as a batsman, uh, because you know I was working a lot as well. You know, a lot of the younger guys who were given the opportunity around the same time as me were either studying or they were staying at home and they had way more time to develop themselves in terms of their games. And they could, I guess, if you try on Craig Spearman was one who started at the same time as me and, and went on and had a very good career in New Zealand and obviously ultimately in the UK. When I moved down to Mount Monganui from Auckland, where, where we live now still to this day, uh, it was a football decision. You know, I got an opportunity to step into the New Zealand National League, which wasn't a professional league, but was a semi-professional league. And, and, uh, and I played a few games for them towards the back end of the previous season once the cricket season had finished and uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it you know and I'd missed football because it was part of my DNA and part of my upbringing so yeah we made a decision as a family to move down to this region and I made a decision just to step away from cricket for a while and and step into football so yeah that's how the I guess the transitions then went on from the mid 90s 1996 through to about 2008 where I hopped between football and cricket, between playing, between coaching, and and uh, and then eventually sort of cricket's taken over the last 12 years or so, and, and I've become a professional coach since 2008. But yeah, thoroughly enjoyed all the opportunities and experiences that I had in between. And then um, you also had involvement um, in New Zealand cricket. You were involved in the Under-19 World Cup, and then the opportunity to come and work for Northern Districts, is that when it all kind of changed for you? Yeah, that's what I say, Neil. Yeah, until 2008, I was sort of identified. I, I was coaching locally in my region, the Bay of Plenty. Uh, there's there's six, teams, six regions that make up Northern Districts. Uh, Bay of Plenty is one of those. We, we had a, a, a sustained period of success, and I, and I was coaching uh, that team at the time, some very talented players coming through the ranks at that time, some very good young players. Involved, Kane Williamson were involved in, in those early years before they went on and, and obviously meteorologically went through the system very quickly. Uh, some very good local players who also went on and represented Northern District first class level. So, you know, we were having a bit of success over a sustained period, and, and Northern District obviously noticed that and invited me to start getting involved with their age group teams. And then they invited me to uh, take their A team, which is their second team. And then that led into full-time employment with, with New Zealand Cricket around 2008. I was employed as they called a high-performance network coach with a responsibility for de developing all the promising young players coming through the Northern Districts region. So that's how that morphed from, I guess, a, a part-time role to, uh, to a full-time role. Uh, like you say, at the time I was taking the New Zealand under-19 team as well. We, we went to the World Cup along with Matt Horn and Paul Wiseman in 2012, and, and we missed out to India in the semi-final, but it was a very successful tournament for us. We, we developed a number of young players during that time that have gone on, and Ishadi, I guess, would be the standout one. Uh, Will Young's just starting to make his way now. He's a New Zealand contracted player. He was our captain. But also, there's a large number of that group who've gone on, and they're still playing first-class cricket now, which is quite unique in New Zealand, because that, I guess the the transition rate from playing international under-19 cricket to successful first-class careers is very low in New Zealand. But out of that group, you know, there would be 85% of those guys uh, either had a decent career or still playing now, which is really encouraging. Uh, yeah, and then, 
and then from there, obviously working very closely with Northern District, taking their A team, as I said, and and an opportunity came in 2013 when when the incumbent coach uh, retired and, and moved on to uh, to have a crack at trying to to secure that role at Northern District, and uh, I was very fortunate that they thought I had the skill set to to take it on, and I thoroughly enjoyed that for five and a half years. Yeah. So was there one game in 2014 that particularly stood out? I'm talking more about that game against Mumbai. I think it was the Champions League game. And then your team just put on an absolute clinic when it came to fielding. And is it something that probably just uh, put the seed in the in the owner's, owner's mind? It did, it did, it did. And I, and I can remember having a very vivid conversation after that game when we were, we were very good that night. We beat Mumbai. Uh, we qualified top out of that uh, group at the Champions League up in Raipur. And, and I can certainly remember, I guess, the guy who's my boss now, you know, having a conversation with me back at the hotel in 2014, saying that, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't forget that performance that he just watched by Northern Districts and the park and that, you know, potentially one day, you know, you might be able to come and work for us. And I guess, you know, in, in the euphoric, state of the moment you know it was almost sort of dismissed by me as yeah, fair enough you know whatever sort of style uh, I was really passionate about the group that I had and, and you know and what we were going to try and achieve over the next little while and, and the comment was sort of lost on me a little bit but I did have some I did have some contacts with Mumbai Corey Anderson was obviously part of the Mumbai Indians and he was one of our players so uh, you know you get to know quite a little bit uh, when I first went to New Zealand cricket uh, in the high performance role, John Wright was the the boss of us. So I had a relationship with John, and John was the coach at that time of Mumbai Indians, and and he's still with Mumbai Indians in the scouting capacity now. So you know, there's always been some links to Mumbai. We've Tim Southey's been up there and played as well. So I guess we've always we've always known what's been going on closely with Mumbai Indians. But that certainly that performance that evening didn't do me any harm as well. I, I had to work pretty hard in 2018 showcase that I had the talents and the skills and the knowledge to secure the role uh, once they were decided to make a change when John T. Rhodes moved on. Uh, but uh, like you say, I don't think that did me any harm at all. That great performance by our boys that night. And when the call came in 2018, was it just a no-brainer to take the role? Uh, and it wasn't a no-brainer, no, because, uh, you know, like I said, I, was, I just signed a new contract with Northern District. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd been there for two terms of, of two years. Uh, so I was just starting a new two-year contract. Uh, I was excited by the potential of the group that we had and, and what we could achieve. You know, we'd, we'd had some success. We'd won some trophies. We'd developed a lot of players that had gone on and played for New Zealand. And I was really excited about the next group that were coming through because I, I thought that four or five of them could go on and represent the Black Caps as well, and of which three have very quickly, Scott Kugline, Tim Seifert and Daryl Mitchell were, were all part of that next group coming through that I was really excited about. So it, it wasn't a no-brainer, but uh, you know, once I'd gone up there and, and met them and presented, I guess, some of my philosophies and, and listened to, to their, where they wanted to take their fielding program. Uh, and I also, I'm not just employed in IPL either for Mumbai Indians. I go and do some development work as well, which I think they saw that in me and it's certainly something that I wanted to continue I just didn't want to become you know uh, I guess a, a T20 or an IPL specialist fielding coach I actually wanted to share some of my knowledge philosophies and passion for 
youth development and, and some of the younger uncapped players that come into those squads uh, to be allowed to spend some time with them. And, and I do do that, so I go up on a number of visits throughout the year to, to Mumbai. Yes, yeah, so that's part of your role, isn't it? So you're, I think you're contracted to, what, just over 100 days. Was the IPL is a two-month um, two tournament, so around that... You go, um, you go and spend time with these groups of players, and is it just a coaching clinics? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is coaching. But I think what's that allowed, what that has allowed me to do is to build stronger relationships. Because then, I guess in IPL time, it's it's very busy. You know, it's it's a fantastic tournament where there's a lot of pressure floating around. There's a lot of intensity, and it's very hard to build those meaningful relationships uh, because it's all about practice, travel, and play. Whereas these other visits, uh, you know, I can get to know the players, I can get to understand what they want to try and achieve with their games, and, you know, and I'm just one of a number. A lot of these, obviously, young men have got their own coaches that they've had for, you know, a long number of years, and they've got their mentors that they look towards, but I'm just another person that can get alongside them and help them. And I always find that that takes time to build that relationship. So I understand them, they understand me, and, and I can give some ideas and, and also I can work, work hard alongside them. So I thoroughly enjoy those, those trips. They, they are very rewarding. Yeah. So there's um, a general consensus that goes around cricket. You hear a lot of commentators say, they say that if a team is good or bad um, when it comes to batting or bowling, you know, that you know, that kind of level of performance can fluctuate to a certain extent. But when it comes to fielding, that is something that a team can really improve on, regardless of how their standards are with the battle ball. Is that something you agree with? It is to some respects. Yes, it is. Yeah, the, the attitude aspect, you know, and the desire to want to be fully committed to the cause is something that you can control. But, you know, it's very easy to say those words. And then if you've got some fieldsmen who, I guess, who are not very athletic, you know, and I guess they may be extremely specialist in their core skill, which may be batting or maybe bowling, you're never going to leave those guys out of the team because, you know, they don't put as much, I guess, attitude or desire into their fielding. But definitely, if somebody wants to improve, if an individual wants to improve his fielding, the commitment and, and the attitude is, is a key part of that. Yeah, and you can go away and do that. But uh, I guess the, the cash cry at, at, at MI from Heller, who's the head coach, is energy. You know, he, he wants to see energy. So it's important that, you know, when I'm tailoring my training sessions, whether it's with individuals or with the team group collective, it displays energy. And that's the word that we promote, I guess, at MI is, is energy in the field, which is not. You know, not uncommon. I'm sure there's a number of other teams and a number of other, you know, groups use those phrases as well. But it's important that you do try and establish a work ethic which which mirrors that, and then you can start working on the basic techniques that, that need to underpin that. It's great to have energy, but you've actually got to have skills as well if you want to be effective. And then talk us through that first year, 2018. Obviously, you had the Netflix documentary following your, following your movements. How was that in terms of having a camera put in your face in, in moments that a lot, of, a lot of people don't see, you know, after defeats, during victory, etc. team bonding sessions? Um, how was that kind of all-access, you know, production mm. and, and involvement and such? How was that? Something different? Yeah, it was obviously very different, yeah. And, and I guess I was a little bit fortunate that, 
my work wasn't either as compromised or it wasn't as intrusive around what I was doing because, you know, I guess nobody really knew me, you know, so it was, it was, would have been more challenging, I guess, for Mahalo or for Shane Bond or, or for Rowett or some of the key performers within the group. But, but for me, yeah, I mean, everything was so eye-opening for me in the first year anyway because it was my first year at IPL. And while I'd had a little insight into cricket in India, either through a, through a previous tour or through the Champions League up in 2014, it was not on the same magnitude as what experienced at 2018 in my first IPL. And, and like you say, with the, with the cameras there as well, there was a... There's a lot of things that were, I guess, a little bit false to the environment that I've previously been in because, you know, there's a lot of photo shoots and a lot of interviews. And But I, I guess I was fortunate that I could just go about my work a little bit in the background because I didn't really have a profile. Uh, and, you know, and I guess I wasn't front and centre too much. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't watched the whole documentary, actually, but I have a lot of feedback from people who have watched it. And it's given them a really good insight into what life at the IPL is like. But also some of the background stories. You know, a lot of my friends and associates watched that and said they, they got a great deal out of watching, you know, where the boys had come from. Some of the background stories of the Panja boys or Rollheads, where he came from, or, or Ishan Kishan. So I think that was almost probably more interesting than actually the, the cricket side of it. But uh, what you do get is, is the real sense of how passionate the Indians are about cricket and, and how important you know, a tournament like the IPL is just to the general society. And, uh, and that's something that I've really enjoyed while I've been over there is you know, just the passion for cricket and, and, and the genuine nature of the people. And in terms of performance on the field, 2018 is a difficult campaign. Obviously, you had the early losses, but then you put a put some wins together. Just missed out on the playoffs. But then, 2019, you win it in the last over. Some of the emotions and that winning moment and such big party after. Uh, yeah, there, there was a there was a massive party afterwards. Yeah, and it went on for uh, probably 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. Once we travelled back to Mumbai, but yeah, I mean 2018. I think there've been a number of seasons where people kept saying that, you know, MI traditionally was slow starters and, and everybody was waiting for us to get going, you know, we'll get going at some point. And I think we were just looking for a little bit of a catalyst, you know, a little bit of leadership. And, and I think it, well, we, we won a game, I think, earlier, but we were certainly only 1-1 one, one from the first six. And, and Rohit really stood up. We played against Chennai up in Pune. Rohit stood up and played fantastically well. And, and we won that game and, and we got on a little bit of a run and, and really we should have made the finals. Uh, we had to beat Delhi on the last day and, and, and they were already out of the competition and, and you know, while they put their best foot forward on that day, you know, it was a game there for us to lose, not them to win and, and we didn't play well at all and we lost. So we missed out on that last day. Uh, 2019, I just sensed a different atmosphere, a different attitude in and around the group. Nothing that the coaching staff were doing differently, just I thought the players brought a more determined attitude and uh, and it was a very good campaign. Yes, there were a few trip-ups along the way. It's 2020 cricket. You know, somebody has a day against you and, and you just sort of drop your cap to them and say, well played, let's move on. But I thought we were far more resilient during those times in 2019. The balance of our attack, I think, was a little bit better with, uh, obviously, Lassif being back in there as a, as a player and not on the coaching staff and, and he proved his quality right to the very end of the tournament and 
and while you never, you know, get too overconfident when you're playing against uh, CSK and MS Dining, that I just couldn't see us losing, you know, and, and even right down to that last ball, you know, and even going into the last over, I guess it was theirs to lose and, and we needed to do something special. But uh, I just had a sense of calm and thought, well, we're going to win this anyway. But uh, fortunately, between them, they made the right decision on the last ball and Leslie executed unbelievably. And, and we picked up the trophy, you know, the smallest of margins. But uh, I, I don't think anybody could argue we were the best team in 2019 and probably deserved to, to win the competition. And then when it comes to the auction time, obviously we've seen via this documentary a lot of analysts involved, coaches involved, um, a lot of backroom stuff that we that we don't even never heard of. Um, can you talk a little bit about the whole process? What are you actually looking as a coaching staff and a team? What what are you looking? What kind of processes do you have to go through in terms of going through a, like, you know, a list of players, etc.? A little a little bit, a little word on the auction. Works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a massive part of my brief, Neil. To be honest, uh, we, we we kept updated, but you know, and I guess we they touch base with me around specific New Zealand players. But like you say, you know, you correct quite rightly. You know, you've seen on the documentary there just how thorough they are with the process. Uh, there's also a number of scouts around Indian domestic cricket, you know, who are watching a lot of cricket, you know, and, and I guess you know the side Mushtaq. Uh, the Vijay Azar, uh, I was involved in the tournament just just before we went into lockdown uh, out in Navi Mumbai, which is a very good tournament, the D.Y. Patel tournament. You know, very active with scouts watching for the young talent coming through, and not necessarily the young talent, but just the, the developing talent. And, and then it all goes, I guess, part of the conundrum, and they have lots of discussions, and, and they try and work out what is the best strategy for the auction. But like I say, it's not... It's not part of my core business, so I'm not, you know, in it uh, thoroughly. But from a coaching point of view, uh, what I've been really impressed with is Mahela is very clear on what his template looks like and what the personnel he requires for that template. So there's a, there's a nice marry-up between, I guess, the, the tactician that is Mahela, which is an outstanding cricket brain, and the marry-up with the Arnis, which I think, in some of the other, you know, franchises, from what I've observed, you perhaps don't get that. You know, you get a lot of emotional buy-in, uh, and they don't really fit into a game plan that, or, or or a plan that can be established from the coaching staff. I think that I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Mumbai from that perspective. But I guess in terms of detail, I can't go into too much because it's not my core business. And when it comes to the actual playing eleven, would it be fair to say that Mahela? has the final say, but do you have a voice as well in selection? Uh, well, I, you know, we're all part of discussion, myself and Shane Bond and Mahela and, and coaching staff, we sit down and we do plans. You know, one of the really good things I thought about the campaign in 2019 is we just didn't stick with the same team. We picked teams to suit conditions and we picked teams to suit opposition, to try and beat opposition. So there is that tactical element around selection. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm a Mahela, Rowett, uh, the ownership, you know, the, the senior players are all part of that process. But uh, I don't know who has the final say, but I'm sure Mahela has a very, very strong say in that because, you know, he, uh, he is a very dominant figure in that group. And who are the, who are the leaders in the team? Yeah, it's, it's, 
uh, it's obviously the captain is a strong leader. Kieran Pollard is a very strong leader. And, and he, he covered up last year, I think, in a couple of games when Wright was out. Uh, he came in and covered in the role of captaincy and did a very good role. Uh, yeah, Kieran's a very strong leader. Uh, through example and, and obviously through words, he, he doesn't speak a lot, but when he speaks, he always speaks very clearly and, and speaks sense. Uh, and then some of the younger guys are coming through. Obviously, Quinton came in last year and, and showed his leadership skills from behind the stumps. And, and obviously, since IPL 2019, he's now gone on and been, I guess, anointed with South African captaincy. So that leadership quality is in there as well, which they've identified. So I was really impressed with the contributions that he made from a leadership point of view last year. Uh, Jesprey, Lasif, they lead in their own ways you know, uh, mainly through example, but through preparation as well. Very thorough in their preparation and very well planned. And, and younger players do see that, you know. They don't just see this talented player going out and performing. They see all the planning that goes on in the background from these guys who have got, you know, great records and, and are really proud of their performances. And then the Pandya boys. Say, do they set example? Because is the hardest yeah. part of the whole IPL process... Um, the actual getting a team to bond together over such a short period of time and seeing the, seeing the senior players, the more experienced players, um, set an example, that must be one of the, one of the keys, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's a great learning environment. And, and, and as you know, in, and I guess in, in Indian, culture, Indian culture, you know that the juniors really revere and respect the seniors. So if your seniors are showing great examples and, and good practice, then the youngsters follow very easily. Uh, and we're very fortunate, am I, that we do have a strong sense of togetherness. You know, there are, I guess, activities that are created uh, where we do spend a little bit of time together. But also during IPL, rest is important as well because it's quite an intense competition. But we do take opportunities when it's when it's relevant to you know to get together and socialise and get to know each other. And and I know that the younger players really value those opportunities spend time with those senior guys away from the cricket side of it where you can you can catch somebody in a little bit more of a relaxed moment as well and have that quiet chat that perhaps you can have at training or or when you're traveling or preparing for a game so that's a really good thing that I've, I've discovered about MI is they do value their people and they do take opportunities to try and not only develop you but you know to give you uh, learning opportunities and how, how instrumental are the owners in that aspect in terms of the off-field activities? You see from the documentary, again, they're very passionate about their cricket. You know, they come to the changing room and say their words, etc. But away from the field, they also ensure that team bonding as well. How, imp how, how important have they been in this whole process? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, like I say, they care, you know, they genuinely care. And, uh, and some of the stories that I've heard from before being involved and some of the things that I've witnessed since I have been involved, about you know how they really care for players that have moved on and are now in other environments or perhaps not involved in IPL, just how they still care for those people. Uh, so they do have a sense of care and, and they do have a sense of, I guess, community. They, they obviously run very successful businesses and, and a number of businesses and they probably realised at an early time that in order to be successful, you know, you have to value your people and treat them with respect and and like I say, help them to get better and, and challenge them to get better, but but also create opportunities where you can relax and socialise, you know, and, and give it a sense of normality. And they do do that very well. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're pivotal in that. And the ambitions for the team, 
Obviously, we're not sure what's going to be happening with the IPL this year. Again, you're just going for back-to-back titles. Is that the aim? Ultimate aim? Absolutely, yeah. And there's, and there's obviously been a big push for it because I think uh, historically we've we've seen MI1 in 2013, 2015, 2017 and 2019. So they, they're very keen to try and break that cycle of winning every once every two years. So you know, there was a big push on trying to win this year to try and retain our titles. Uh, we felt that we put a very good squad together. You know, a lot of lot of similarity to last year, but we felt we'd improved on the squad. Uh, you know, with the additions of Nathan Costa Nile and the addition of Trent Bowles, and you know, we felt that we'd strengthened. And then we were pretty keen to break that cycle. And I know there was a lot of work that's been gone put in. You know, from a coaching point of view, uh, we had some very good meetings uh, in early March in advance of what would have been our pre-tournament camp. You know, where you know, there was a lot of good stuff discussed and planned at that camp. But now, obviously, we're all just sort of sitting back, waiting that we do get a tournament this year. And, and I'm sure we will, but, you know, there's, there's no, nothing certain at this stage. But uh, we're feeling in a good position to, uh, to move forward and give it a crack for 2020. And in terms of your own personal development as a coach, I know you had an interim stint uh, with the USA as well. Um, I'm not sure how long you've got left on your Mumbai contract, but what are the kind of um, ambitions you've got as a coach moving forward? Yeah, yeah, I've got two years left with Mumbai, Neil. Uh, this season, 2020 and 2021, are the two, two years that I've got left on my contract. I hope that I do a good enough job for them to invite me to come back and, and experience some more uh, cricket in India. Uh, in terms of my ambition, my ambition purely lies with, you know, just doing a good job. Just trying to keep upskilling myself, just trying to keep learning, uh, just trying to keep building relationships with the new players that I find myself working with, and, and just generally trying to keep, you know, keep advancing. Really, uh, I've got no goals, you know, in terms of I'd like to take this team or I'd like to take that team or I'd like to move into this area. For me, it's just about continually trying to improve and, and trying to help players who want to be helped to get better. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed my time with the USA. Uh, like you say, it was just a short interim role. It was supposed to be based around 2020 cricket, but I guess unfortunately from a performance point of view in that 2020 arena, we didn't do as well as what we would have liked. So we, we didn't qualify for the, the world qualifiers in, in Dubai, which meant that we didn't progress on towards the potential T20 World Cup, which should have been held in Australia in October and November. But past that, you know, uh, they asked me to stay on and, and do a couple of series uh, in one-day cricket. Uh, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, obviously, I took on the role of the interim head coach and, and, and met a group of players that, you know, wanted a little bit of direction. And, and I guess putting my head coach's hat back on, went back and put some principles in place. And we had a successful time of it. I think we won six out of the first eight games that we played, which was which was really commendable for that group of players at that level. But you know, perhaps if I didn't have a job, you know, uh, I might have thrown my hat in the ring and wanted to commit to uh, spending more time with this group of players. But I was very fortunate that I had got a job that I'm very passionate about, a job that I thoroughly enjoy, and you know, and I guess. I didn't want to compromise that by, by you know, walking away from, from that role. So, yeah, yeah, more opportunities like that hopefully will come in the future if I'm in a position to take them. But at the moment, um, I'm extremely happy with, with my decision to be working for MI for the next two years. And one final question. 
who's the best fielder you've you've worked with? Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's it is a great question because it comes with a number of I guess different qualities and different skills. You know, I worked with two young fellows in in their formative years, Trent Bolt and Ken Williamson, who I've had great joy in, in watching them perform some great feats. You know, on the cricket field for New Zealand. Uh, but then, obviously, when you get into the international arena and you start working with guys like Martin Guptill, you know, a little short stint with, with New Zealand, and Martin was a fantastic athlete, great fielder, very natural with his movements. And then you get to go to IPL and, and you can work with Polly. You know, Polly's got some unbelievable skills for a big man, you know, how he can move and he gets low, and obviously, everything in the air that comes to him, it's like, you know, just picking an apple off a tree, those massive hands that he's got. And I, I think, you know, Hardik has got the potential to be anything in this game. Uh, I've seen him do some incredible things, you know, all, all very natural, not trained. He's just a, he's obviously a great athlete and uh, some of the catches I've seen him take in games and in trainings. And I think just with continual desire and improvement that uh, he could be something very special. But there's a number of guys who, who really value their field in and, you know, and when they you see something done, you know that's incredible, and it's all because they do their basics really well. You know, so yeah, I'm very fortunate to be working and learning as well from from a number of talented young guys who uh, who want to keep pushing it, and I'm happy to keep trying to push them. Perfect, James. Really appreciate your time. What an insight. Thank you very much. No problem, Neil. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Nice to get to talk to you. You too. So New York Hagram, Cricket Last Stories, James Pament, thank you.